This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Just so hungry. Hungry, hungry, hungry. That's me, hungry. Daddy hungry. Welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to eat. My name is Craig. My name's Andrew. And my co-host is a baby. He's a baby. baby. Oh, he's just a little baby. I'm just a little baby. Today in Animal Crossing, I bought a pacifier to wear in my mouth, my character's mouth. Yeah, because you go clubbing all the time. And Susanna doesn't like it. Yes. Susanna yes. doesn't like my pacifier. Good. She doesn't like when I say that I'm baby and I run around in a pacifier. That's good. I love finding the things that Susanna doesn't like because then I can join her in support. <laughs> you, she's usually more tolerant of you than I am. And I love it wow. when she draws a line. That's an interesting read on our relationship. Well, there's probably a bunch of stuff she's not tolerant of that I don't know. About. There's, yeah, there's like. There are spheres, you know? Sure, 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 sure. Spheres. Yeah. And her stuff is probably more serious. My stuff is like when you say weird things and I don't like it. But She usually doesn't like it when I say th- Like, she didn't like Daddy Hungry. She didn't like when I premiered the follow-up, Daddy Thirsty, which <laughs> is when I'm thirsty. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a whole thing Great. over here all um, the time. Why are we talking about hunger, Andrew? Because uh, we read the second book in The Hunger Games, Catching Fire. That's the book by Suzanne Collins, right? Catching Fire also sounds like it could be a Matt Christopher book about baseball. Yeah, <laughs> he's on fire. <laughs> he's heating up. Yes, this is the second of The Hunger Games books. Uh, we read the first one for the big old 400. Episode 400. Um, so I know that we've had some new listeners join us in the last few weeks. If you have not gone back and listened to our first Hunger Games ep, it's out there for you. Go check it out. And then we'll be reading the third one, uh, Mockingjay, for 450. I thought we were going to do it 425, bud. 425? Yeah, Man. that's why we're reading this All one right. at 410. Yeah, I okay, I, for, I thought that we were at like 425 right now because <laughs> time has ceased to mean anything. That's okay, that's okay. Yes, I'm a little confused. All um, right, Craig's right, I'm wrong. Listen to him. Well, hey, um, and this episode is only a little bit different from our normal format. Um, we are still going to be talking about like the book all the way through and reactions to it, but both of us read it for this episode. Usually only one of us reads the book. Um, I have never read this book before. Andrew has, so we're like partially following that rule. How long has it been since you read this book, Andrew? Um, it's been probably like seven or eight years. I okay. feel like I read it in the early 2010s sometime, like after... After the books had been a thing, but before the movies were really a thing. Okay, sure, 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 sure. So in that that two or three year window. Yeah, and like the major book series from the aughts on, there is that kind of three to four year lag between everyone devouring the books, and then the movies start coming out, and then maybe there's like one more book to come out. And, and they split the last book into two movies. Yeah, they did. They it, did. Keep it running. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And here comes the prequel that is coming long after the discourse about either existing property has died down. And it's, I don't know. We'll see how it's received. Yes, we shall see. Yeah. Um, 
So if anyone needs a recap of this or of the series, so this book was published in 2009. The previous book was a few years before that. I don't have it off the top of my head. Um, it's like 2007, 2008. 2007, 2008. Um, and it is, you know, it's YA Battle Royale. It's set in the not America of Pan Am, uh, where there are... Tw- 2008. Okay. Uh, not when the book takes place, when that first book came out. Um, and it's 12 districts. There used to be 13, but it was destroyed. There was, in the before times, a big revolution that was quelled by the capital, which is the government, and they instituted these hungry games um, to keep the common folks subjugated, where every year two tributes from each district fight to the death. We met our heroes in the last book, Katniss and Peeta, and Katniss's other quote-unquote love interest, Gale. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um Katniss has some mentors, Drunken Haymitch, uh, Goofy Effie, I didn't think of a thing for her, and Fancy Cinna. Mm-hmm. Um, and Katniss has to pretend to love PETA in the games because it's a reality TV murder show, and they're like the star-crossed lovers. And then instead of killing each other, they are about to eat some poison berries, and then they get saved because the story's too good. Right. Well, because there, there's only supposed to be one. Okay, so there are two people selected for the Hunger Games from every district, mm-hmm. but there's only supposed to be one winner. So, like ostensibly, you could end up killing the person who came from your hometown with you. Yeah, yeah. But Katniss and Peeta's PR thing this whole time has been this image of star-crossed lovers, which Peeta is really into, and Katniss is <laughs> not not as much not not really into, or is she? <laughs> Mm. Um, but the 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 front they present of true love is so strong and so convincing that it would cause a like a minor riot if they were to be torn apart, and so they both win the Hunger Games. Unprecedented. One of them is supposed to win the Hunger Games, and it makes the capital very mad, which is how the first book ends. Right, like we we are told that the capital is mad at Katniss and Peeta because of the thing that they've done. And they can't do anything publicly to punish them because of the profile of winners of these of these Hungry Games. Yes. But they are still hopping mad about it. They are. They are. And um, we are left to imagine what that might look like. Correct. And it's it's also we are left to imagine how sad PETA is to live with the knowledge that she doesn't actually or or basically will not profess any love, any real love to him. But she was has uh, commitment issues. (laughs) Yeah. Which I suppose makes sense for somebody of her background, but it doesn't make for a super enthralling first two thirds of a book. No, not not from a romance angle, for sure. No. Um, So, yeah, like you said, I had read Catching Fire before you had not. And so before. Well, do we want to take a break first? Well, I'll just we say this it? book, um, again, it's the second of the trilogy, so we might end up talking about some of the plot and that kind of through that lens also um, of it just being like the bridge to more story. Yeah, because I, I think what sometimes happens in a in a trilogy is the first book ends up feeling like a self-contained thing because yep. it's probably like the nugget of the idea that the author had in the first place. And then the second one is more prone to feeling like a bridge between the first part and the, and the last part. Like it is harder to make a second book that feels 
like a self-contained story because it is by its very nature like it's transitory right like like the beginning of a story often needs to be its own story all by itself because you're setting up so many characters and relationships and and second installments can get away with what's up empire strikes back they can get away with an unresolved ending that leaves you feeling like this very strong emotional reaction but it isn't actually like a a a closed narrative ending yeah, and not all stories are great at, yeah, at nailing yeah. that landing. Like sometimes <laughs> it's like, did I did that book did the book just end? It's like the uh Roadrunner cartoons where the coyote or whoever just runs out past the end of the cliff and then it's a little while before they realize that there is no more Yeah, it ground is like that. under their feet and then they fall. You bought you little, bought the, the Acme products story, which was actually kind of faulty and didn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um <laughs> So I did find something interesting about just the the marketing of this movie when it came out because these movies were huge, um, and the there was like I've never read any article like this before. There is a Variety article that is like way down the looking glass of like advertising industry speak, where Ooh. they where they like interviewed um, the marketing chief for the whole Hunger Games movie franchise, and they're just like bragging on the whole Instagram rollout and stuff. But the thing that is like, for me, just an interesting thing to think about when you think about marketing fiction of any kind is like this book has a lot of anti-establishment, anti-power, revolutionary rhetoric in it. Um, A lot of critique of fashion and uh, hot quote unquote, like high culture, like high fashion culture and stuff. And for the marketing campaign, like they t- they made their own fancy zine, like set in the universe of Panem, and they got like you know CoverGirl and these other like global brands to roll out their own like products that are tied into the universe, and like that is not an unheard of thing just in movie marketing in general. But it always feels weird when it's like tied up in the themes of like the the capital people of these books suck. They're just like they do. Vain yeah, they suck. cartoon people and to like wrap the marketing in as if it were being presented to them and for them and by them is really it's a bold choice and it, it seems to have worked very well for the movies. Um, it's just so odd when you see well, yeah, it, when you think yeah. about it. I don't know. To we, me, anyway. we talked about, we talked about another facet of this last time, which is the way that villains in yes, yes, movies yes, yes. are are packaged in terms of like merchandise and marketing and stuff. And listen, nobody dresses as like Jack Porkins for Halloween. <laughs> you always dress as like Darth Vader or a stormtrooper or something. Like the bad guys just get cooler costumes most That's of the time. That's true. That's true. They're more visually interesting. Collins and yeah. Oh, Collins was down with this. Uh Collins said, I'm thrilled with the work Tim Pale and his marketing team have done on the film. It's appropriately disturbing and thought provoking how the campaign promotes catching fire while simultaneously promoting the capital's punitive forms of entertainment. Uh, the stunning image of Katniss in her wedding dress that we use to sell tickets is just the kind of thing the Capitol would use to rev up its audience uh, for the games. That dualistic approach is very much in keeping with the books. And it it's not not. It's just some weird looking glass stuff. I don't know how you get... It's like when does satire just... All the people who, re- who read Swift and were like, maybe we should eat some babies. Like, it's just... 
I don't know how you get out of that brain space. The, the revolution will be commodified. Yeah, basically. it will. It will. It will. Um, speaking of commodified, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk right. about the story. Bye. <laughs> Craig, we got to keep the economy going or the virus wins. Help. Help. I can help. Um, this week's episode is brought to you in part by one of our Patreon supporters, Brianna. Brianna Bond, a.k.a. No Ordinary Scholar, asked us to plug her upcoming book, Queen of Thieves, A New Throne. Andrew, it's a YA thriller, and it is Ooh. a mix of comedy, lighthearted fun, and emotional struggles. I've got emotional struggles. I've got comedy. And we both have lighthearted fun. Uh, here's the blurb <laughs> for the book. Dallas Ryder has lived with the pain and repercussions of her father's execution for years. Now the same government that put him to death wants her help. It's simple enough. Infiltrate the home of a black market arms dealer by conning his lonely son into falling in love with her. But she can't handle the flood of emotions that come with duping an already fragile teenager. Desperate to ensure no more lives are lost, she accepts the mission. But is it doomed to fail one way or the other? The only way you can find out is if you pre-order the book now on Amazon. I think it comes out April 24th. Uh, or you can stay plugged in by following Brianna on her YouTube and Patreon channels. Search for No Ordinary Scholar. Again, the book's name is Queen of Thieves, A New Throne. So I had a thought. I had thoughts about this book going in based on my having read it before. That's dangerous. I don't, <laughs> well, I don't I don't think my 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 reread of the book did not substantially change my opinion on it. So I want to know before we poison the well with what my opinion is. I want to know what you thought of the book just as its own thing like yeah. as a bridge to part 3 as a comparison to part 1 like how do you how do you feel about it? So I hope to reveal more of my feelings as we get into like the discussion of what Ooh, happens. A teaser. I know. I don't want to do it all. All will be, all will be revealed. Um, Craig's feelings. I was at times like I was struck by uh, how how much the book still made me want to read what was on the next page. Like I think Collins is really effective at hey, don't you want to know what happens next? Just like beat to beat. Um, which is not to say that there isn't the like the occasional wooden line, which still like there's like two or three in the book that just whacked me across the head like a two <laughs> by four. And that's a shame because a lot of the book is very successful. Um, I think it is an interesting and effective build on the world building of the first book, and it raises the stakes of a lot of the initial things that the that the first Hunger Games lays out. Um and I've seen one of the two movies that got the that were made out of the third book. So I like I have a sense of where we're going, but literally no idea of how we're gonna get there. So it was really fascinating to see this book be like part how do you live as a champion in the Hunger Games world and part yo, we're gonna play the Hunger Games again, but different. And I honestly, I, I thought her choices of how to level up the games were smart. Um, but I will, my, here's my big, uh, like, I'm not, I'm not buying it opinion, is I think anyone coming into this trilogy with the like, oh, it's another YA series with an interesting love triangle is fooled. There's, it's, <laughs> I personally 
don't buy that. Not to say that there isn't interesting kind of romantic interpersonal relationships. There are. But I do not buy that this is a like, you know, will they or won't they? Who sh- who will she choose? Team whatever, team whatever. There are not teams in the Hunger Games, first of all. No, well, I mean, they're only temporary teams, but then you all have to end up killing each other, which <laughs> honestly, maybe Twilight would have been better if there had been a similar system in place. I think so. If only one person could leave. Um, yeah, so I, 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 this has become a cornerstone of our, of our show and I really like it. The Goodreads review segment. Yeah. You were pushing for this and it's, it's become a good, uh, like what are the people saying? Out I just there? like, to, I like to check in and I'm particularly fascinated. I find by three star reviews okay. because I find them to be the most, the most surprising and the most constructive. Um, yeah, uh, this is from Emily on Goodreads, who gave it a three-star review, where The Hunger Games is a tightly plotted, fast-paced, dystopian thriller heaped with romance and horror. This book is, well, a lot of the same, a whole lot of the same plot, redundantly similar at points, only slower moving and far less polished. Too much of the story is told rather than shown. Whole months can go by in just a few pages, yet the real action gets rolling about two-thirds of the way through the book. There were times when the story actually seemed to plod, which I think a lot of that is down to the love triangle. And uh, Kemper on Goodreads, um, who also gave it a three-star review, um, says, uh, while the new deathmatch is a bigger and badder version of what we saw in The Hunger Games, it ends up seeming familiar and a letdown, kind of like The Hangover Part 2. It's the same story as before, but this time it's in Thailand. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, And then, yeah, just a lot of general, general sentiment not really... Not loving the time spent on the love triangle and also saying that even relevant to Twilight, like there's an Entertainment Weekly review that says uh, Katniss pretends to be in love with sweet natured games teammate Peta Millark, but she secretly pines for brooding Gale, a childhood friend, except why there's little distinction between the two thinly imagined guys other than the fact that Peta has a dopier name. Collins conjures none of the erotic energy that makes Twilight, for instance, so creepily alluring. And I can disagree with what this reviewer says about Twilight while agreeing with what they say about the hunger. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I, I want to make sure we we move into what actually happens in the book. So we oh, can certainly, kind of certainly we will scaffold yeah. this a little bit. I think because I have specific critiques or specific things that are like aligned with what you with what those Goodreads reviewers said. Um, but let me just toss out what the very glowing New York Times review said for balance, I guess. Um, Gabrielle Zevin uh, said catching fire is a portrait of how a desperate government tries to hold off a revolutionary tide and as such has something of the epic feeling of Orwell to it parentheses but for kids and I think that but for kids actually does a lot of work isn't Orwell like isn't that usually assigned in like eighth grade I feel like Orwell is yes for kids but it is it is elementary enough that is it is it is learnable. It is knowable. By yeah. Kids, well, it know? certainly <laughs> is. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I think the book is reaching for some stuff that's a bit bigger than what was in the first book. And part of that is by nature of like, you need to learn so much about how the world works in the first installment that like the second one, you can start to like peer around a corner and go, Oh no, that's actually how it works. Or, Oh, I had a question about that, and here's Collins's answer to it. Remember that this book was the series was inspired by like the Iraq War going on and reality TV happening. Um, and I think this book, for me, it like 
drew back a little bit from the mechanics of reality TV because when we do get to the games again, there's a lot less time spent on like, oh, I'm modulating my behavior because people at home are watching. Like that's a huge part of the first book. Yeah, and there there are elements of that in the second, but the the imagined audience is almost never invoked. And I think I think that's partially because like it, so in the run up to okay, I guess we do need to do a little bit of plot scaffolding, huh? Yeah. Um the deal is the government is mad at Katniss, and so for this the Hunger Games that happen in this book, which are the 75th Hunger Games, every 25 years there's like a special edition Hunger Games that is specifically it's called the Quarter Quell. The Quarter Quell, which is very Harry Potter, and it's it's tuned like even more than the the uh, like the the regular Hunger Games are sort of generally designed to suppress yeah the districts, and the Quarter Quell is like it is that, but like more contextually aware. Like they they take whatever happens to be going on at the districts in that time and imagining a punishment that is designed to from the capital's perspective like fix that yeah let me um, so let me i think i have the the language for the first two quells pulled i don't have the language for the third quell but um there's like this whole ceremony where he's like pulling envelopes this is the president president snow who we've gotten to meet a few times at this point um and again this is like a third to a half of the way into the book before this even happens so we'll cover what happened before that in a little bit um he comes out he pulls out these envelopes that maybe the government wrote 75 years ago but probably not he probably just wrote them yesterday and like the first one in 25th it's a reminder to the rebels that their children were dying because of their choice to initiate violence um every district was made to hold an election and vote who would represent it which is like okay it's 25 years since the reason we put the Hunger Games in place. You need to elect who's the troublemaker so that you're responsible. Right. Whereas usually it's like the, the it's chance, the cold hand of yeah. fate who selects the yeah the participant. And the 50th anniversary was a reminder that two rebels died for each capital citizen who died in the revolution. So everyone was required to send twice as many tributes. And that was the one that Katniss's mentor Hamish participated in and won actually Hamish to his friends hello mitchell is his <laughs> full name hello mitchell was his father excuse me <laughs> um, then the, the 75th is is um it is designed to tell the the districts you know even the strongest among you cannot stand up to the strength of the capital and so to drive this home they the participants in the 75th games are chosen exclusively among people who had won the games before who like up till now have gotten a pass. Like they are, they are elevated and, and they're like that they have been picked up and elevated like economically that the capital's wealth has trickled down to them is something that is used to mollify the masses. Yes. And I'm not, I'm just going to leave a meaningful pause right here. Okay, yes. that's good. That's- and, but yeah, and um, so so th- it, this is this is unheard of. And for Katniss, you know, th- there's always one male, one female tribute chosen from each district. District twelve is is kind of a backwater. There are two male living tributes and one female, and it's her. So like she knows she's going back in, 
And this is probably why the the games were designed this way, because the capital is mad at her specifically. Yeah. So the like the first third of the book is it builds to this moment because it's like, hey, here's what life is like for a victor. And it's like going back to your hometown, especially in the in the poorer districts, which most of them are are pretty poor. Um, you you like are this weird violence celebrity that your very existence reinforces the games and they are going to eventually turn you into mentors. So you have to keep participating in the games. Um, Her and PETA are going to have to go on what is called like a victory tour where they visit all of the districts and give some speeches and pretend to be in love uh, because the president pays her a special visit where he's like, listen, I know you don't love PETA. Can you imagine if a pres- if the president of your country came to your house and was like, listen, I know you don't love that guy who let's loves say you. It's, let's say it's Barack Hussein Obama what if came Barack to your Obama house. Obama came to your house. And <laughs> it's like, look, I know you don't love him. <laughs> but I need you to do it, and I need you to convince me. And President Snow is is more evil than that. But he's like, literally, like, I will kill the dude that a spy saw you kissing in the woods um, who you actually care about, which again, Collins doesn't seem interested in making me believe that she cares about him. Either of Wait, them. So, so which I don't even know. I won't, I don't want to make it a team Peter team Gale. Thing, it's not. A, no, there's no which, teams. Who are you? Who are Who do you think is the obvious choice? If I had to make a choice, I, yeah, like you seem you seem to not buy the love triangle. So what is that? Is that not buying that there's a triangle at all? Is that yes. thinking that there is one person who it is weighted overwhelmingly in favor of? Like, I don't buy that it's a triangle at all because Gail gets so little time in the book. Like see, that's the that's the thing is I think it is from Katniss's like background and what she thinks and feels. I feel like obviously it is Gail. And the book, but the book shows us so much more PETA. Yeah. But because the book so, shows us so much more PETA, we get to see that they really have very little chemistry <laughs> at all. So there's like, a- these are, these are two 17 year olds who can sleep in the same <laughs> bed know. night after night after night and never fool around. That's a, a very bit. fascinating part of this book. I think is that the, like I've got, I, PETA has got to be like, listen, man, we remember, were all on remember, marching band trips being, on the bus. Being 17. Like you don't have to have a reason to have a boner when you're 17. <laughs> And this kid's been given a lot of reasons to have one, yeah, and, and is, yet nothing and nothing happens. Yeah, so like there's not to thing. say, and this that sounds kind of gross because I'm no, I'm no, no, saying no. something that implies that only what he is feeling is important. But these are these are two very these are two young people who are in a very stressful situation. Their emotions are high, hormones are high, and yet nothing happens. And I think that is that is to me one of the things. That makes me feel like Katniss and Peta just have no. There is not a. There is not an emotional or physical connection there to like grab onto. There's a section in this toward the end where she kisses Peta. Like this is this is one of the few sections where 
um, Katniss is thinking about what the people at home are are thinking at all. And yeah, this is, sure. to, this is the circle back to another point I wanted to make earlier. But she says, "I when she's kissing him, I feel that thing again. The thing I only felt once before in the cave last year when I was trying to get Hamish to send us food. I kissed Peta about a thousand times during those games and after. But there was only one kiss that made me feel that made me feel something stirred deep inside. Only one that made me want more. But my head wound started bleeding, and he made me lie down. Like it is." That this has only happened two times under like the most heightened of circumstances makes me think that it's not there's not really anything going on. Sure. And and then to say the thing that got us into this cul-de-sac in the first place, I think the reason why this book doesn't do as much like media criticism, like thinking how the audience feels, is like the the participants in the lead up to these games and all the interviews and everything with Stanley Tucci, like they they work up like the not yes. just the the people in the districts, but also the capital audience to to feel like these games are really unfair and exploitative and maybe they illegal and maybe they shouldn't happen. Yeah, let's talk about and so that. The, and so the book the book doesn't explore that because the book doesn't. It has already cast it aside, I guess. Or well, it's like it's like n- not only can the characters not anticipate what the audience wants, like Katniss could in the last book but also i think suzanne collins just doesn't want to like spend the time on yeah she's moved past on 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 that dimension of it like they could be in this arena still trying to work up people at home and people in the capital and they just they don't because there's too there are too many other like under the surface things going on. So let's talk. Let's talk about that a little bit because I, w- I want to yes. get into. And so the I know I've I've taken the conversation in many different directions. <laughs> Here's what I'll okay. Okay, I have a lot of thoughts. Here's what but. I'll say about Gail. Um, when Gail at some point in the book tells her that he loves her, she gives him the Han Solo I know nonsense. Man, and yeah. and the most charitable read I guess of this of the kind of like she's pretty prudish. I guess she's she's portrayed as like and it's i don't mean in in that and she's like shies away from it she lives a life and has developed a a worldview where there's just not room for romance or physical intimacy or like noticing that when other people express it towards her and that does get called out once or twice it's both uh and and building off the stuff that we talked about in the last book like it is there is a component where she so much of her life has been factored around survival that she doesn't just like give a lot of thought to that. Yes. And then so much of her life also because her dad died because her mom sort of broke down after that is built around this idea that she can't rely on anybody. She can't depend on anybody that make that closes her off to both of them being to like close emotional relationships with anybody other than her like little sister. So I don't, it's not that I don't buy that Katniss could be close to these to both of these boys. Yeah. Without as a person in a vacuum like, what, like as she's drawn if you think about yeah, her hard enough like, you could th- you would get there. For for her to be skeptical of both of these boys is it, it makes sense but in in the way that the book talks about it it's just like these two guys throwing themselves at each other or at her like over and over. And her realizing, especially for Gail, that she actually does love him. Like, she does say this after he is, like, whipped within an inch of his life. Yes, that's true. And then she kind of gets to this one moment with PETA in the <laughs> arena. But I just feel like the the thing with, like, if, if there was nothing else happening, like, if it was just Katniss 
it would be Gail 100%, right? And may, I, yeah, I guess. I don't know. And like, she doesn't even have any reason to... Like, PETA, she... She respects Peta's like oratory skills and his emotional intelligence and his bread and, making and his yeah, painting and, like a, and his yeah, wrestling, like a, his artistic side. But she doesn't respect his mm. the the same things she values in herself, and she yeah like respects about herself and her father and like other people in her circle. Like she does not respect about him well, because he, he doesn't have those skills. He, well, she doesn't see him as cutthroat enough for this world. Like she, he is better than the rest of us. She says at, at least once. Um, but so the, like I'm, I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let you talk. No, no, no. Okay. Talk. I want to do the Craig run up. Time. Can I talk? I'm going to talk. I want to do. The, <laughs> Craig, wanna, could you, would you want it? Hey, is it my turn? <laughs> Please. Um, I want to do the run up because you ra- you raise a good point that like the reason that the media criticism falls away is that the I guess where the book spends any of that like time is in the victory tour stuff, which is like the yeah the first like quarter of the book. yeah like life mm-hmm. in District Twelve is like fine. There's like they're just getting by. They live in the new Victory Village. Um, they know that there's a new games coming up. She's starting to become close with her mom. I like there was like a little moment where she realizes that, um, what did she say? My time in the arena made me realize how I needed to stop punishing her for something she couldn't help, especially the crushing depression she fell into after my father's death, because sometimes things happen to people and they're not equipped to deal with them. So she's like growing up as a person and this experience has both given her like really intense trauma and also given her like points of emotional articulation to better understand other people. Um, But they know that they're going to get put back in the public eye on this tour. There's also this like PETA and Katniss are going to get married publicly thing to like satiate the people. Yeah, like Um, one of the, one of the things that happens when snow comes to visit her is it's like, I know that this relationship isn't real, but you got to convince enough other people that it's real that they stop trying to overthrow the government. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Um, so, and one of the stops on the tour turns really bad. I think it's in District 11, where... the one Rue was yeah, from, I think or that was, is it one of the other ones? I think it was the one Rue was from, where, like, Peta gives this beautiful speech, and then she, like, gives a speech about Rue, and everybody starts holding up the Mockingjay three finger salute whistle thing um which she did not you're conflating a few different symbols but i you're yeah you're getting the well yes it's the it's the three finger salute and whistle which is like the sign of the mocking i don't remember um and uh like somebody gets shot and then like a riot happens and they get like run out of there real fast and it becomes clear that uprisings are happening or about to happen in some of the districts. Um, And it is inspired by them and the games purportedly, even though maybe like in this book positions her and refers to her multiple times as like the spark that is lighting this revolutionary fire. They saw her defy the Capitol in the first book. And now people are being like, what if a better life? Um, There's like a little note. She meets some people in the woods who are running away to District 13, which may or may not exist. And they're like, yeah, we're from whatever the factory district is. And District 8. We were able to like plan our 
revolution because all the machines were so loud that we they could were so talk loud they to couldn't each other hear us being seditious without yeah. being surveilled, which I thought was actually a pretty interesting detail. Um, and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna hightail it out of here and head yeah, like for the dis- District Eight is like the the blue collar manufacturing district, but like District Three is like the Steve Jobs Silicon Valley yeah. iPhone <laughs> district. Yeah, it's." Um, there is, this is one of those, so there's like this big rumination in like about before we get to the quarter quell where Katniss is like, yo, what if we ran away? What if, what if we ran away to district 13? Cause maybe it's out there and she's kind of mad that maybe there's this fictional or not fictional district out there that could have come by and saved them. They were the ones who did like nuclear power, and had an uprising and nobody knows if they exist and all the footage of them is the same like five minute clip used over and over again um they're one of the wooden lines though is she's like going off about him she goes if it's true why do they leave us to live like this with the hunger and the killings and the games and i just was like oh no <laughs> oh boy it's very like it is a teen it's speaking very, like, well it's very stereotypical like Jewish grandparent. Oh, with, with the, the hunger, hunger and, and the, the games and the, the games. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, but it, it's, oh, man, later, like, she hears Hamish talking, and the book says, like, Hamish is talking, and then it says, says Hamish, and then in Katniss's, like, uh, close narrator brain, she goes, says Hamish? And I was like, <laughs> come on, Suzanne Collins. <laughs> As if the book were just her narrating to herself. Um, but she doesn't end up running away because because of the uprisings. There's like more peacekeeper presence in District Twelve, and that's why Gail gets beat up. Like, why well, does that and happen? Gail, Gail. Well, he gets okay. So a new the peacekeepers in District Twelve have been like good cops, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, they're yeah. cops, but people can be okay around them. But then a new bad cop comes in town. And starts actually punishing people for all the things that the old cops had let slide. Oh, you mean Romulus Thread? Yeah, I mean that's who I mean. <laughs> I love those names. And is the way all the capital people have like Roman names yeah, and then yeah. totally ridiculous surname. What is the 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 game master's name? Is like, like Plutarch Heavens B. <laughs> yes. Ugh. It's like a Roman name. Your okay. Your Capital Hunger Games name is the last roman orator that you read and the last brand of lip balm that you used (laughs) (laughs) nero dove for men so i'm like cicero burt's bees yeah nero dove for men over here (laughs) uh what was i talking oh yeah um gail so she and gail like have a have a meetup in the woods where they you know they go and they hunt and they they hang out and Katniss tries to sell him on this, like me and you and our families, they need to get out of here. And Gail is like, well, think about everybody else's families. Like when you leave, it's just going to make everything worse for everybody who's still here. Like what if we can't convince some of our family members to to leave on this like desperate run for it? Like what if we can't make what if we can't make this happen? And it, that makes Katniss feel a deeper sense of like her own responsibility even if even if it's unwanted like her own responsibility as this like as a symbol as this person who has this this 
public profile now. Oh, the whole I think her journey this book is moving from station to station of realizing the potency of her as a symbol. Like it starts with the expected versions of it with her as a victor and even then she doesn't really know how powerful that image is and then by the end of the book she is like being told and being told what she has inspired and then what she has to keep doing moving forward as this like mythical figure yeah and i one of the things that i find unsatisfying about this is that that journey i don't think is very satisfying i don't think that she I think that she reluctantly does something because she's a symbol of the revolu- revolution like six times. Like there, there is no, she keeps having the same epiphany over and over. I feel like where, oh, I am, a, I am a symbol. People are looking to me. I am a symbol. People are looking to me. And she keeps trying to to draw back and, and make things smaller in a way that I think is like do it a couple times and it feels real, but like keep doing it for the entire length of a novel and you just get frustrated with her. I think that's a fair critique. I think I was not think I was not keeping score. And maybe if I had, I would, I would might be closer to your opinion. I think I was noting the, and maybe it doesn't stand up over the course of the book, but it does feel like the last one was about like, what if you're a pawn in a form of government control? And this one builds towards what if you're a pawn in a revolution? And yeah, that doesn't, it doesn't engage meaningfully with Katniss's own sense of responsibility or not. Like she still gets to rail against a bunch of other people's choices. And that I think. S- Collins does well, but it doesn't give her necessarily meaningful growth. Yeah, um, right. The other the other thing I find frustrating is that Katniss herself admits that other people are better at this than a she lot. is. A she bunch does of a times. lot. Like she she acknowledges just to take Peta and Gail as examples. Like she fully admits that Gail has like a deeper strength in his convictions. Like he he believes it more. Yeah. And PETA is just like better at the public facing parts of this by a pretty wide margin. Like we, he, he is more comfortable in front of an audience. He's more comfortable inspiring people. Like anytime she does this, it feels like it's kind of by accident. And yeah. then she realizes that she did it after the fact and gets horrified. By <laughs> it. But like PETA actually knows what's going on and how to, how to, um, how to how to what's the what's the word I'm looking yeah, for? It's not quite manipulated. when you but when you can keep a crowd, you know. Yes. What, what am I thinking of? Um, command a crowd. He can yeah, something like that. He knows what they want to hear, and he and he also knows how to like instill it with a little bit of what he wants to say. Sure. Yeah. Um, he knows how to persuade people. So like we do a little Rocky montage once the quell is announced, and this gets to something that that good review you said like multiple times in this book. There is a like, and then we were on a train for a week or, and then we were, you know, training in the woods for six months. Um, And then we get to the games again, which again, she kind of speeds past a lot of the traditional trappings of the run up to the games because everybody's a veteran. Um, We get, I think the, the characters are a little more memorable in terms of the different people we meet going yeah, into like the game. Yeah, definitely th- there are characters being set up in this book who will become things in the third book and so you just get to like in in the first Hunger Games like it, it was 
for a lot of it, it was just Katniss by herself. Yes. So you so you knew Peta, you knew Rue, you knew Katniss. But everybody else, like you're they're not you don't want to have, have a ton of sympathy for them or else Katniss starts to seem like, like a, a murder a machine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like a real murder machine. But in this one and and this is this is something Collins does that's smart. Like these a lot of these people have been doing the like Hunger Games Victors circuit for decades. And so they know each other and have become friends with each other. And suddenly, so in, in a normal Hunger Games, like at best, the people from the same district would know each other yep. and have feelings for each other, but nobody else would. And so now you've put together all these people who have known each other and respected each other for a long time into the same murder arena. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and yeah, so so Collins has more reason to make some of the characters better drawn and like, and, and make us the reader like feel more things about. And she does it pretty quickly. Like most of them have like one sentence blurbs that are pretty memorable. There's like Finnick, the big hot Poseidon dude. There's his mentor Mags, who's an old lady. I just like to to think of him as Jason Momoa. If the movies had Mm. happened like five years after they did, it would probably have been Jason Momoa. Yes. (laughs) There are the, 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 older tech people wireless and bt or nuts and volts i think nuts they're called this is very good like um, borderlands yes <laughs> there's um, there, even, the, even like the morphine addicts get, yes, there, yes. get their time in the sun it's you know? yeah and so you just get a lot more uh i think memorable kind of colorful characters that populate this and then as you alluded to earlier andrew lee the media run up you know, like every good event has a good media circuit. Um, so we get to spend some time with Caesar Flickman again and everybody's going up for their pregame interviews. And most of them, yeah, they are like leaning heavily into, hey, these games are bad. Like they're good. Like, hey, these games are bad. Hey, doesn't this guy kind of look like Paul Giamatti? <laughs> <laughs> they're going to kill us and you love us. Like you've gotten to know us. Like, that's the other thing is, like, most of these people have been around for decades, and now all these, like, screaming Capital fans are going to, like, have to watch all of them die. And so the way that Collins writes about it, it's like this big... Imagine an After the Final Rose where Chris Harrison was just like, yo, all these people got to die. And this is the, the saddest Bachelor finale you've ever heard of. And he gets Katniss up there, and he, and he's just like, "Yo, this is a real emotional day, huh?" Like, yeah, dude, evil Chris Harrison, or just imagine that you're a basketball fan and you've been following basketball for like three decades, and suddenly the lords of basketball come to you and uh-huh. are like, "You can still like LeBron, but he has to kill Michael Jordan and Shaq <laughs> now." Yeah, he has to kill them at basketball. It's true. <laughs> he has to dunk them to death and you're going to root for it or else. <laughs> and so Katniss doesn't really know kind of what to say. Um, there's a lot of the, like the loving romance stuff. PETA knows exactly what to say. PETA calls some shots on this one that are pretty bold. PETA gets up there on national state TV and is like, listen, everyone, uh, I know you're all excited to see me marry this woman that I'm going to have to kill. Um, but the good news is that we got secret married uh, in District 12. and everyone, like legally, but... But like our, in our own culturally, way. Culturally, yeah. Yeah, we're culturally married. And then he's like, and she's pregnant. 
and everyone's like, "Oh my god!" Everyone goes nuts, and then in the like the elevator after, he's like, "Were you okay with all the stuff that I just did?" <laughs> it's pretty rock and roll. And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, dog. No, it's fine. I see exactly what you're doing." Yeah, is that before or after they do the thing where they go into the game makers? I think it might be before they they. Because then they go into the game maker's gym and have to like demonstrate how good they are at stuff. And like PETA paints a big mural of Rue, who died mm-hmm. in the first book. Mm-hmm. And then they have to clean it all up. And so Katniss goes in and hangs a dummy like from the basketball hoop and like writes the name of the game master who got killed after the first book like his name on it in blood or something. Yeah, like his Seneca Crane, another Roman <laughs> slash lip balm name. <laughs> uh he he was held responsible for the thing with the berries. Yes, like his yes. his game was designed so poorly that the capital used him as a as an example, I guess. And at some party Plutarch Heavensby has introduced himself to Katniss, shown her his cool watch shown her some sort of Mockingjay symbol, which a couple people do throughout this book, and she's like, what's that about? It's just a symbol. It's so strange. I, don't know. I, I wore it on, huh. on me during the last Hunger Games, but I don't know what that has to do with me, Katniss Everdeen. Why are people surreptitiously <laughs> showing me this very important symbol? <laughs> um, and so then they go into the games, and right before the games, oh, we didn't even talk about like the big flaming wedding dress thing, but her her friend Fancy Cinna, uh, Larry Kra- played by Larry Kravitz in the film, Play, yeah, Larry, um, Larry Kravitz. <laughs> he made her this cool wedding dress, and then it lights on fire and is like a design of a burning mockingjay, and that's like this big revolutionary image. And so right before the games, of course, as she's waiting to go up the tube into the arena, uh, they beat the crap out of him and carry him away, which is very sad. And it kind of puts her on edge. So how are the games different in this one, Andrew? Walk me through the setup of the 75th annual Hunger Describe the map. Maybe give me some hot strats. Sure. And so, and, and one of the interesting things is I think that Suzanne Collins has actually put a lot of thought into like the design of the, yeah. of the games, which is, I don't want to say it's fun because it's not. Because it's a murder machine. <laughs> it feels overthought. In a way that some of the other parts of the book feel underthought. Oh, fair, 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 fair. <laughs> um, but it's very, it's like a uh, sort of a Gilligan's Island or like a Far Cry sort of tropical <laughs> setting. Yeah. Uh-huh. So in the in the first the two Hunger Games, the two references Far Cry and Hunger Games or uh, Gilligan's Isle. Uh, so the first game was like it was it was mostly like a woodland setting. Yeah. Like it was something that Katniss would feel kind of at home in. Mm-hmm. And this one is like there's a lot of water, which is it's um what's the the name of the Trident guy? Like the oh uh, Finnick, yeah Finnick. He's from District Four. District Four is like the fishing slash. It's the water level, basically. It's Florida, maybe I don't know. This used to be America. I'm not sure where Finnick is from, but 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 it's a it's a place that the people from District Four are really like at home in because it's water. So it's it is. This big circular lake, and then there's like a beach around that, and around that, like the outer circumference is like a jungle surrounded by a force field. And the force field is alluded to earlier in the scene where nuts and volts like point out the weak spot in a force field around a game maker. So like clearly this is going to be important later, but we don't know how or why. And I think also in the lake, Andrew, there's like spokes of beach or something that people can run along. Yeah, right. Like there, there are these little 
bits of of land and so as as all the the uh participants keep you know participating well i just kind of <laughs> cornered myself on that one as they all keep playing this game they realize they they start to realize in each in each part of this beach and jungle there is like some specific thing that is happening and there do there there seem to be hard and fast borders yes like past which these things cannot affect us. Like one is this like acid fog. That's the first one we see. Yeah. Um, another one is like these evil monkeys. There's a bug uh, one. Yeah. There's a bug one. There's like a tidal wave tsunami one. We don't get to see all of them. I was kind of surprised we, don't get, we to, don't get all you know, of them. We don't get to see all of them. And so we, we run into nuts and bolts. Like, so uh, PETA and um, Finnick and Katniss form this alliance early on and and Katniss is really distrustful like she is thinking ahead she is thinking as a participant in a hunger games which is eventually Peta has to be the only one alive like she she and Haymitch have agreed like last time Haymitch put all his chips on Katniss because he thought he could only get one person home this time we are putting all our chips on Peta and so she from the outset is thinking okay I need to I can make alliances, but I need to turn on these people before they can endanger PETA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it makes for some really uneasy alliances. And Finnick is a Finnick is a friend of Hamish. Like Hamish vouched for him. And she doesn't know what like to a, do he with seems that. Like a, okay, dude. Yeah, he does. He seems like a mensch, a real mensch. Yeah. Um, but they're they're the initial trio. They get his mm-hmm. mentor Mag at some point who dies in the fog. Yeah, um, she's she is a a very early like Hunger Games winner. So she's in her like 70s or 80s and she has some situationally useful skills, but she is 70 or 80 years old and she just is not up to this anymore. Yep. Um so she's kind of used as a as a human shield at at one point more or less. Uh, but they they run into uh, nuts and volts and their party slowly gets slowly gets bigger and one of them is the one who keeps repeating like TikTok TikTok. Yeah, that's Wirus, I think is her name. And that combined with this like flash of a watch with the Mockingjay symbol on it that Plutarch Heavensby showed Katniss leads them to realize that this arena is set up like a clock and so like the 12 to 1 wedge has one thing in it the 1 to 2 wedge has something else in it and going all the way around like every hour on the hour not even on the hour but like every every hour at a reliable time the same thing happens in each in each section of this map yes and there's no like there are no resources really out there there's there are animals that you could go hunt in some of those wedges the trees have the drinkable water in them, so you have to like shove a spile, I think it's called, into the tree to get the juice spigot. out. It's a little, a little uh, maple syrup spigot. Yes, yes. Um, and but they do end up kind of back on the beach. There is seafood that they can that they can eat. Um, someone named Johanna, I don't remember what district she's from has joined them and they don't trust her either, but she's with them for the time being. Finnick seems to trust yes. her, but they don't fully trust Finnick. Um, and the overall, like, so like Katniss and Peta have a thing where they basically have made clear to each other, I am trying to keep you alive. 
and they have a fundamental disagreement about how that's, that's going to resolve. Like, no, you hang up first. <laughs> no, no, I'm trying to keep you alive. No, you no, die you. first in the Hunger yeah. Games. <laughs> no, wait. Uh, no, I die first in the Hunger Games. Um, and Katniss does notice that, like, Finnick will occasionally talk or do things that make it seem like he's trying to keep them alive. Uh, Johanna does the same thing at one point where she, like, rather than let Peta be alone, like, conscripts him into doing some nonsense work to, like, keep him safe. And, again, I think the reader is meant to get a little ahead of Katniss, even though most of the book the reader's ahead of Katniss all the time. <laughs> Katniss is, like, situationally dense. Yeah. It's- in in this book, like, there there is a... There is a bit where Peter like touch he touches a force field and he gets zapped by it like basically like touching a bug zapper. It's very or, like, Jurassic offense. Park, yeah, yeah, yeah. And despite the fact that Katniss like has a doctor mom and is like a woodland survivalist, like she has a lot of ranger skill points that I think we talked about last time. When Finnick goes to oh give Peter CPR, she is <laughs> she. Like, I forgot about I'm this. For, I'm I'm stunned for a moment by the pain by trying to regain my wind as I see Finnick close off Peta's nose again. From where I sit, I pull an arrow, whip the notch into place, and I'm about to let it fly when I'm stopped by the sight of Finnick kissing Peta. Oh! And it's so bizarre, even for Finnick, that I stay my hand. No, he's not kissing him. He's got Peta's nose blocked off, but his mouth tilted open. He's blowing air into his lungs. And that's I don't understand why she would not have heard of CPR. Go right to oh why is he? That seems like a weird time to make out with somebody. There is so there is some and that's an that is a a a Katniss specific like denseness that I do think some sci-fi runs into when like I think about this world that they're in and this universe where like it's been they've had they've had the Hunger Games for seventy five years. And like they've had the same type of TV the whole time, and like it, they're still relying on coal. Like I understand there's some subjugation going on and things, and yes, they have the power to make mutant people and stuff like that. But like it seems like they should be dealing with like going to space by now, or well, and and like it, if you even if you want to stay more man- mundane than that, like people would be complaining about how they have to get this like analog to digital converter for their TVs <laughs> to, to keep watching the hunger games. <laughs> I think, I think it's meant to be more like a, they rolled out HD and everyone got confused yeah. <laughs> uh, where the H stands for hunger definition, of course. Uh, yeah. But no, I, th- I, th- I think it's meant to be more like, um, like Soviet vibes. Yeah, where sure. Sure. Everybody getting the same thing is, is, meant to deter like the innovation the like technological innovation that means we all need to buy a new tv every four years so we can keep watching netflix oh man i don't know man i don't know youtube works on my tv now so that's cool i guess anyway um so this group is last there they you know some other people get whittled down they fight some other people the katniss kind of does the math they're getting like deliveries of bread which we later find out meant means something. Um, but they're kind of like, they're doing okay as a group, and Katniss does the math that there are fewer enemies than there are this group left. And she's not really sure what's going to happen when they finally split up, but first they have to kill 
the enemies. So they work with BT to like when the thunder strikes, they're going to use the special gold wire that he knows about that he has as his weapon. It's like speaker wire yeah. that he's got to carry. They describe a big spool of gold wire. And I'm like, man, now I think I have some of that. Yep. I think you need to get some banana plugs for the end of that bad boy. <laughs> he's going to, you can just use like electrical tape. It's fine. Um, you're going to run that from the, from the tree. Yeah. Maybe if you live in district 12, use well, electrical tape. That's how I get my TV working in district 12. Um, they're going to run the electricity into the water, presumably when their enemies come in to get some food, and that'll fry them and kill them. And that sounds like a great plan that Katniss is like, I guess I understand it. Let's go for it. Um, of course, it doesn't work out exactly that way. They get ambushed. Um, there's a not as confusing for me, the reader, as it was for Katniss moment where Johanna is like attacks her but doesn't kill her and then run and is like stay on the ground and runs away. And Katniss is like, why did this happen? It's like, yeah, she's keeping you alive. I can't believe she tried to kill me and then ran away right before she would actually have done that. And so it all builds to this moment where she goes and she's trying to find PETA and she doesn't know where Finnick is. And she does find BT, who's like fried on the ground. And he was clearly trying to stab the force field with a knife tied to the wire in time with the lightning. It's very um, like back to the future. Like we have to do it. Exactly sure, when the lightning yeah. strikes, you have to zap that. You have to zap that force field with a billion gigawatts, yeah. or whatever. And she does. She remembers Hamish telling her who to remember who the real enemy is, and like you'd think she would have thought about this before, and often she does. But in that moment, she finally goes, "Oh yes," and she shoots an electrical arrow uh, at the force field. It explodes, and she is saved. Um, and it is revealed in one hell of an info dump that this was a quite a last chapter. <laughs> it was a revolution all along. And I guess that that gets to what I said earlier that like it is a book about Katniss being a pawn again. And so much of that is hidden from the from Katniss in a way that is also hidden from the reader. I don't like. Yes, you can tell that something funny is going on but the plan itself is like Collins is like no I'm not gonna tell you any of that bro like this is over here for me the book just ends so abruptly because you're you're dealing with everything from Katniss's perspective and from like all of her knowledge and her instincts are guiding her to just treat this like another Hunger Games and so when like three quarters of the way through the Hunger Games you get yanked out of it and told that the whole book was a lie yeah you're you're both you're you're simultaneously like you have a ton of whiplash and you're also like wait why was Katniss not clued into any of this again like why why was the most important person in your grand plan not told any part of the plan at all and and not I guess like they try to they try to explain that but what I'm saying is that I don't buy it (laughs) I guess like there are not I don't buy the explanation. It, it's a frustrating because like their best argument is that she flies off the handle all the time. They can't trust her with the information, which true, which, I guess. Uh, yeah. But and like PETA doesn't need to know because he's good enough and he'll sort of figure it out or he'll be useful anyway. Um, I just feel like so the second the quell is announced, all of these tributes are like, OK, well, we got it let's take advantage of this opportunity. We're all going to be in there together. We can figure yeah, something right. out. It's the tributes from like seven or eight districts. Yeah. Who all are like, 
what if we did the most obvious thing in all of our <laughs> like all of our districts seem really into sedition right now yes like how can we how can we harness that yes and katniss is like how do i keep peter alive yeah and and so how do i keep peter alive in this totally by the book hunger games that i'm participating <laughs> in? which is and so i think a a broader critique i have of this book or at least a thing i think keeps it from doing everything it wants to do is the brevity and or the attempt at a at a like rockin story that just moves like collins could have written a much purposefully like slower book because i think the slower parts of this book don't work because that's not what she's good at necessarily right. yeah and so i think if this were a spacier and i mean that spacier in the sense that she's taking more time to develop some of her ideas you might have more of katniss's betrayal at the end you could move that further you could explore a little bit more her feelings about peter and peter and gail like there's just in the interest of it being a like action-packed sci-fi thriller, I think it undermines some of the character work that she is clearly like interested in, um, and she just doesn't leave herself time for it. I don't think like TikTok yeah. it goes too fast, <laughs> and it is a cool game. I like I kind of I do wish that the I see why it doesn't take up more of the novel because as you said, like we've been there, done that a little bit. So the novelty of the murder game has worn off. So she really boils yeah, she I tries just... to boil it down to the, the the what is novel about it for both Katniss and for us. Yeah, like I, I feel like she she spends a lot of time making a version of the Hunger Games that would surprise an audience that had already read the book The Hunger Games. But it didn't matter the whole time. It didn't. No, and that's it, true. It feels like a, it feels like more attention was paid to making that Hunger Games surprising than was paid to making the overarching plot feel surprising. Well, yes. <laughs> or like it like it made any sense at all. I don't know. Yeah, and I find the like again, I am kind of on board with the impact or the intended impact of oh, she was being used again. Like, I think that is an interesting... I think that would have been interesting if it had been... Handled. A, yeah, a bit, I th yeah, yeah, it's so rushed, and then the book ends. It could have gone on for a little bit longer, I think, honestly, and maybe that would have helped if it weren't like Katniss gets up from a hospital bed, learns everything that just happened, <laughs> like punches Hamish in the face, and is then like, end of book. Um that maybe that would have fixed us here a little bit. But I do think that the the world building is still interesting. Um I oh, that's what I was gonna say. I also think that the like the first half of the book where Katniss is talking about how calming it is to like go to sleep with PETA in the same room and like doesn't for once have teenage thoughts about it. Like not even like concern over how either of them feel about it is very just like we got to keep this book moving huh yeah no if it sounds like we're discussing this mostly through a like heterosexual frame yeah, where true. two people of an opposite sex must feel some kind of sexual feeling about each other i think if we are doing that it is because the book only works if you 
buy into that. Yeah, that's true. The book doesn't <laughs> like, have like, a lot of space no for discu- that. Yeah. There's no discussion of Katniss being like asexual or, or, or anything like that. Like, like she is, she is tentatively interested in two boys and the book, like the book wants us to buy into, will she pick one of those boys? Not maybe Katniss is interested in things other than sex because of the horrible world that she lives Yeah, the book in. assumes that we are also reading a romance story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good way to express that. It's not called The Horny Games. No, it is. That would what? be a different mm. book. Let me just do a quick Google real yeah, quick. While you do that, I'll just give see a... see if Chuck Tingle's got it. I, oh, my good God. I don't want to say what I want to say because it's more serious than what you're Googling right now. The Horny Games, free porn games. Uh-huh. Hornygamer.com, the Horny Games. Yep, definitely. Uh, the Horny Games, adult Android game. The Horny Games, free horny mobile porn video, 74X hamster. Uh, the Horny Games, dash online sex games, dash games of desire. The Horny Games, MP4 video recording. <laughs> okay. Okay. So... God, I just I'm so I'm so sorry that we're past the golden age of like the the jib jab flash game. <laughs> you know? Like that's what I want. Yeah. Um on a serious note, let me take let me give us one more serious note and then I think we can get out of here. Um the the thing in the games that I thought was the most like if I think about it, I get kind of like that's messed up is the wedge in the forest that has like the jabber jays in it, Andrew, the one where like mm-hmm. the birds that can mimic human speech that I guess Finnick and Katniss get trapped in and all the birds do is just scream like like they're being killed as the voice of whoever they care about the most. Right. And that is just some real psychological horror stuff. Um, that is the furthest the book goes in terms of exploring Katniss's like PTSD, um, which does crop up a couple times throughout the book. Um, though I don't think it's a thing that Collins is like super interested in, or at least isn't giving equal weight to, um, which she could cause it would like fit. You're making a I've got an unserious thing that I need to share with the class no, face. No, 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 I just made the mistake of clicking the images tab on my horny game search. Okay, great. Don't pay don't pay no attention to me. Okay. Um that's it I think for this pod. I'm excited to see where this goes because like I have some images from a movie I saw 10 years ago in my head and I don't real or whenever it was and I have no idea what they map to at all. Um, sure. So I'm interested, and I don't think there's any games in the next one. There's not like an explicit Hunger Games in the next one. If I am... right, yeah, it's it's not like a thing where President Snow says like comes down. You can kill me from, if you from play the these mountains. Games. As if you can, if you can reach me at my own Hunger Games, <laughs> then you will win the government. <laughs> Uh, but this one ends on a like the world will never be the same kind of cliffhanger and we are uh, you know gonna find out what this revolution actually is um sure and so uh, yeah i'm interested to know what collins gets up to without the anchor of this big media murder event because that is clearly what the franchise was founded on um and so 
how she structures the story without that as a as a linchpin, I will be interested to see. Um, anything else on your reaction kind of revisiting this, Andrew? You gave me a lot of leeway in terms of talking about it. I want to make sure we don't lose any of your reaction. No, no, no. no. I, I think I got it all. Like, it, it, it is, it's part dissatisfaction at how, like, transitional it feels and just part, part being disappointed that it is, like, there is a version of this book that I would find more compelling that would, it's... Collins knows what she's doing. It's just I wish that some priorities were shuffled around yeah. a little bit. Yeah, there's stuff in this I, book that I think about, and I'm just like, that's really interesting, and I'm going to sit and think about this. But then she spends 10 pages talking to Gail, and I'm like, what are we doing here? <laughs> I also just... The fact that the Hunger Games... Like, like we, are, we are meant to think that they are empty and horrible and a symbol of oppression and like the worst thing that has ever happened to humanity. And yet it is the most like thoroughly considered thing in this book. And I, it, the fact that I'm more interested in the mechanics of the terrible hungry games than I am in any of the like character relationships, just, it seems like a thing that should have been sent back to the author in a, uh, in just like, like the editor should have said, Hey, I'm going to underline some stuff in red for you and you need to like rejigger a little bit. Yeah. Cause I just think the, the, the time and attention spent on the actual game is disproportionate given the amount that we are supposed to like feel disdain for those games and not be interested in them. Yeah. That's a catch. That that's a catch 22 that we talked about at the top of the show. I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. That that's a when you want to explore something horrible, you gotta get in there and see the horrible thing. Yeah, it just I, I wish the book seemed less enthusiastic about explaining the mechanics of the horrible thing. Is all or yeah, that's a fair point. That's fair. I don't think that she is glorifying the games, but she is certainly invested in how they work. Yeah, she wants to tell us all about how they are work. How she wants to explain all of it to us. Yeah, yeah, because she wants people to notice the like cool murder game that she designed. Hey. And which is, I mean, it is a, in universe, if you're considering what this game is supposed to make the people who are watching it feel, it's super interesting and well-designed and it does everything that she intended it to do. I just, if what you're also trying to get me interested in is, a rebellion to overthrow the government that would think up such a thing, you need to reprioritize a little bit. Yeah, because wasn't it cool, spend... Andrew? Wasn't it cool when they showed the footage of how Hamage actually won the Hunger Games, not by like actually killing someone, but by ducking down when they threw an axe at a force field and it flew back at them? Like, isn't that force field cool? Yeah, yeah, isn't it cool? Isn't it cool how they spent like twice as many pages describing the clock mechanic as they did the info dump at the end of the book mm -hmm. where it was all one big fake out the whole time? Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's just about it is about the the weight. It, it is not about the amount of stuff and like the the subject matter. It's not about what's in the book. It's about just what I what I feel is like just just disorganized priorities. You know, yeah. Like and then you gotta take a couple points out of murder game and put them into like protagonist sympathy <laughs> for me. <laughs> Fair. Fair, 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 fair. We'll see how it lands in the next book. We're going to do that one uh, for 425. 
So you got to listen to all the episodes between then, between now and then. So in case we talk about these books, you know how we're feeling. Um, that's if just you love to put an episode about a separate, unrelated book in the middle of some of our episodes. Sometimes, yeah, you, know? mm-hmm. you just you have to tune in. You might not, you know, who knows? Um, yeah, might just be we might be talking about Pale Fire, and then all of a sudden, no Hunger Games. Yeah, thoughts like you got to <laughs> and listen. You got to go back and you got to listen to the Hellboys episodes that we put out over the weekend uh, because maybe we're talking about Hunger Games there too. Like if yeah, you're that's here, for that's for the that's for the ARG. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Welcome to. <laughs> yeah, um, if you know the answers to the riddles in our ARG, you can send them to overduepod at gmail.com. If you uh, have pieced together all of the clues, Mr. Policeman, you can send them to facebook.com or twitter.com slash overduepod. I want to thank, uh, this is definitely a code. I want to thank MB, Megan, Graham, Lee, Casey, Carly, Natalie, Sean, Rob, Gloria, Hannah, Mitzi, Cheyenne, Sutherland, Anna. Only those people and in, in that exact order because that unlocks the secret episode later. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like, pay attention to every third letter and every third word. Yeah. that we That's the clue. That only Andrew says on odd episodes. Yes. Yeah. Um, Andrew, I know there are clues in our website. What uh, can people find there? If you go to overduepodcast.com and pay attention to the exact sequence of numbers that you see in the URL slugs on every page posted on a Tuesday, you will find all kinds of secret information, including our Apple podcast page, our Google feed, I don't know, RSS, all that stuff. We're also on Spotify and Stitcher. If you are trying to 100% the ARG, not even going to tell you what kind of clues that you need to look for there because I think it should be pretty obvious to people who are paying attention. We've also got a Patreon page, patreon.com slash overdue pod. Uh, of course, we are a uh, free to play ARG, but if you do pay us more money, we will give you more clues. <laughs> uh, man, I don't have any other jokes. Next time uh, for episode 420, we are reading a choose your own adventure book called smoke jumpers by ra montgomery smoke them if you got them smoke them if you got them this will be one of our classic choose your own adventure eps where we read the book in real time do the voices and really put you in the story talk about trying to play a game mm-hmm. this will be the real hunger games if we come to it if we're, when we're hungry that's true all right andrew get us out of here Okay, gang, thanks for coming and listening to this and all of our other episodes, probably. Until we talk to you next time, please try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.